take your Bibles and turn to uh, 2 Corinthians in chapter number 5. And we do absolutely love it here in Columbus, Ohio. I, uh, I am from the north originally. I grew up in Maine. I was one of uh, about, I believe there was eight of us that lived in Maine. There may have been nine. I'm not sure, but a uh, small state in Maine, and it's cold. Does it get cold here in Ohio? Yeah? Okay. Uh, yeah, I figured. I lived in uh, northwest Indiana for, for four years, and, and I do love the south. I consider myself still a northerner, but uh, I don't envy the, uh, the cold weather. And it's funny, when, when you're in the north, and I, I was this way uh, as well, when, whenever the, the warm weather hits, and it's like 95 degrees, you know, 120% humidity, and, uh, and you're struggling, you go, man, I wish, I wish it would get cool again. And then uh, I want to remind you of all the snow that you got. And uh, I know. Who likes snow? Raise your hand if you like snow. This is nothing to do with the message, but you do need to get it right. I expect you down at the altar here. Now, I do like a little bit of, I do like a little bit of snow, just a, just a, a sprinkle, and then I like it to go away. And uh, in the south, you get a little bit of snow, and they shut down everything. So they do, and I, I, uh, um, I enjoy that, and so, uh, but uh, um, anyway, Second Corinthians chapter number five, this is my uh, beautiful wife here on the one, two, three, fourth row, if you just, can you stand up, maybe come up here, turn around, no, uh, my beautiful wife Denise right here, and she, she's honestly the, uh, my, um, what keeps me going, uh, God put her in my life, and she, uh, it, it, although is beautiful, she's beautiful inside and out, and I am what I am because of uh, God giving uh, her to me. And so uh, we have one daughter, her name is Jocelyn, and I don't know if you've ever, some, some of you may know who she is and may have met her, she is out of control, and uh, she is, uh, she's, of course, the love of our life, we have, we have one, just one, and, and that's enough, with her, uh, but no, no. We, we, of course, maybe one day we'll have we'll have more if, if God's willing. But uh, I love my daughter. Anyone in here, either a grandparent or a parent, or want to be a parent? Yeah, a lot of you there. Okay, great. Amen. You weren't so sure about raising your hand after I said the snow thing, were you? And uh, we, uh, I love my daughter. I remember, I remember vividly the. Uh, of course, when you have your first kid, I've heard, that, I mean, that is the one that you remember the most because all that can go wrong goes wrong. There's, there's got to be something uh, in each one of our stories that is, that is hilarious. And probably right now in your mind, you're traveling back to, to that, that first kid that you had or one of the uh, children that you had. We were in Jacksonville, Florida, and I was a student pastor down there, and I picked a, a hospital because I liked the facility. <laughs> In retrospect, it was completely ridiculous why I did it, but I did, I liked the facility, and, we, and the, the doctor that we met, we really, really liked, so we just did, it was 45 minutes away from our house. I still, to this day, when I think about it, I don't know why we did that. We had two other hospitals uh, that were close. Now, those, one was St. Vincent, and the, other, the, the hospital that we went to was Baptist South, so that's the only thing that I could think of. We just wanted our children, our child to be Baptist, so we just had her born in a Baptist uh, hospital. Uh, so is that how it works? Um, 
But uh, we would go, you know, uh, for all the doctor's checkups. And I went, you know, for every single doctor's checkup. And, and of course, you know, see the progress of the baby and, you know, the, the, uh, the ultrasound that they do. And you kind of see the, the picture of, of, of your baby and you get excited. Of course, for the guys, we, if anyone else is like me, I'm sure maybe there's a couple gentlemen in here that are just like me. I don't prepare well at all for anything. Uh, in fact, for this sermon, I haven't really prepared. I just looked at a couple scriptures, and I put something together. I hope everything's going to come out all right. But uh, everything is last minute. And even with being a dad, it's like I didn't prepare myself to be a dad until like the moment. It was like, what? I'm a dad. How did this happen? You know, and my wife's going, for the last nine months, I've been telling you, you know. And, uh, and we do the, you know, different doctor's visits. And, and I remember, uh, of course, the... Um, the, the trip to the hospital. I do think that somewhat had to do with the reason why I was 45 minutes away or picked a hospital that was 45 minutes away was so that I could drive as fast as I wanted for a very long time. Because every guy's dream is to be able to just pedal to the metal as fast as you want to go. And, and, and I, w- I wanted a police officer to pull me over. I did. I wanted him to pull me over and me look at him and say, you don't understand. This woman is about to have a baby. You lead the way. Flash the lights. Go. I'll follow you, you know. And uh, we, had a, we had a little four-cylinder Honda Civic. It, <laughs> it was like zero to 60 in about four minutes. And so I did get up to 90 miles an hour. And it was like that. You, we got, uh, went over this bridge. It's like a three-mile bridge. And, of course, it kind of goes up for like a long time. We're like 55. <laughs> And then finally we get over the top and, you know, here we go, it's my chance. And, uh, and man, it was a dream come true. Uh, but uh, we, we got all the way to the hospital and they ended up sending us home. And so most of you would be like, oh man, that's horrible. But that meant I get to do it again. And so we drove all the way back and of course uh, the next day we, you know, I flew, uh, flew, down, the, uh, flew down the road and uh, I remember, you know, the hospital course was a crazy night that night. Uh, it was August 15th. They had had uh, like 10 babies born in that hospital from August 1st to August 15th, and they had like eight born that night. So it was like a super busy night. It was a full moon. It was like crazy. One doctor on call. And so she was like running from room to room, you know, and, uh, and finally, uh, I think it was like five, six in the morning, Jocelyn was born. I'm held, holding my baby girl, you know, for the very first time and then of course you're there for a couple of days you know in in the hospital and the nurses are just awesome I mean first of all I I don't know if anyone can can uh, relate here but hospital food is is unbelievable it's really good I love their I love their it's really cheap and so uh uh and at that time we didn't have a whole lot of money and uh plus I had a doctor who had doctor's bills so I was liking the fact that I had cheap food I wasn't having to spend a whole lot of money and the the nurses are, 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 they must have magical fingers because they can take a baby and, and like one motion wipe and put a new diaper on at the, like the exact, you're like, what, how did you do that? And, you know, I've tried, you know, the first time I'm like, you know, uh, and try to get it on, it ended up on the head and, and it was just bad. But the nurses were great. And I remember finally, you know, two days later, it's time to go home and I'm taking Jocelyn with me and, you know, we got the, the car seat 
um, buckling or in, you know, 9,000 different buckles. And it was a two-door Honda Civic. So I had to like, you know, take the, the, the car seat and kind of like almost tip my child over to get it in and then hook her in. And then, you know, had blankets all above. And I'm like asking my wife, is it okay for her to breathe, you know, uh, this air? Is that okay? You know, is it, you know, I was worried that she was going to get sick. And we finally get, we finally get back to, uh, to, uh, to the house. And of course, of course, I, on the way back, I wasn't going 90 miles an hour. I was going like, you know, 25 miles an hour. You know, is she all right? You know, I don't want to go too fast. And, uh, you know, people are flying by me and I'm yelling at them. And, uh, slow down, I got a baby on board. And everything was, everything was changed. My life was completely changing. Everything in my life was, was, was different. We got home. I remember putting, you know, that one, that, that daddy-daughter moment, that first one. I put her in the crib. I'm like, hey, Jocelyn, welcome to our life. Welcome to our little home. We lived in a trailer at the time. I said, hope you enjoyed your ride home. No dating. And, uh, you know, uh, I'll see you in the morning. And I should have said, I'll see you in about 10 minutes. And uh, I sat, I, I went back in the room, and my wife and I laid there. And I don't remember exactly the words I said, but it was to this effect I looked at her, and, and, and finally, like, everything just calmed down. I looked, and I said, everything just changed, didn't it? You know, we had a birth, if you have Christ, a new birth. For some of you, it may have been a little more radical than others. I'm a second-generation Christian. It wasn't as radical. I wasn't deep in, in deep, deep sin, but I was just as lost as the person that had been involved in sin for decades. If you could go back for a second, and I know... For some of you, you're able to relate with having a baby and everything changing. Some of you had a, may have gotten a new job and everything changed. And there's sometimes in our life where there's a, a, a moment where you realize that nothing is going to be the same. Some of it could be a death in the family. But all of us can relate to that time that we accepted Christ and everything in our life changed. But then life goes on, doesn't it? And I get a little frustrated. We're going to read the passage here in just a second. But I, I get a little frustrated with Paul sometimes. He's the one writing this letter. It's the second letter he's written to the church in Corinth. And in Corinth, if we were to go back in time, take a time travel back to Corinth, we would, we would see that Corinth is a very wicked city. Very bad city. It was a port town. And if you could take a stereotypical port town, and, and, and it would be very, there would be a lot of fornication. There would be a lot of addictions. There would be a lot of dishonesty with money. It was a sinful city. And there's a new church plant, a brand new church in Corinth. And Paul is writing to this church in Corinth, this church that is surrounded by wickedness. And he says some majorly some major things in here that that i have a hard time with so let's read the passage let's read the passage here in second corinthians chapter number five verse 14 it says for the love of christ could almost stop right there couldn't you for the love of christ something awesome to think about here the love of christ god gave us his son and he loved us even though there was nothing lovely about us there was no hope in us. God did not look down from heaven and go, oh, well, you know, I, I really kind of feel bad for them. They really didn't have a chance. They were born into sin nature. God cannot wink at sin. God did not look down upon the human creation and go, wow, I'm very pleased with them. And well, they really, let's give them a second chance. No, he loved us despite the fact that we were an unlovely people. Even our righteousness are as filthy rags to him. 
There was nothing lovely about us, but yet he chose to love us. For the love of Christ constraineth us. It keeps us, it holds us, it compels us. Because we thus judge that if one died for all, then we're all dead. And that he died for all, that they which live should not henceforth live unto themselves, but unto him which died for them and rose again. Because we are a new creature, because we have Christ living inside of us, we are now no longer called to live for ourselves. I didn't have to teach my four-year-old daughter to be selfish. You ever seen that movie Finding Nemo? Mine, mine, mine. You know the seagulls? Mine, mine, mine. Like that's our mentality when we're born. We're born into a sin nature. Everything is about us. You know, uh, my daughter cried when she was hungry and when she wasn't hungry. When she wanted attention, it was all about her. And that's okay. She's a baby. We understand that. But now that we have Christ, we are no longer called to be about ourselves, but we are called to be about somebody else. We're called to give up our life that we may gain it. It's completely opposite. Completely, it's, it's, it's a paradox. It's a paradigm shift from what we're used to. Verse number uh, 17, Therefore, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things are become new. And all things are of God who hath reconciled us to himself by Jesus Christ and hath given us to the ministry of reconciliation. There's that word reconcile again. Verse 19, to wit that God was in Christ reconciling the world unto himself, not imputing their trespasses unto them, and hath committed unto us the word of reconciliation. Now then we are ambassadors for Christ. And though God did beseech you by us, we pray you in Christ's stead, be ye, what? Reconciled to God. That word reconciliation, uh, if we were to define it, means we passed from a, a relationship of hostile. God looked upon us and it, it was a hostile, hostile relationship. Yes, he died for us, but God cannot look at sin. But he moved that relationship to relationship of friendship. He reconciled for us. He took on sin for us. Verse number 21, For he hath made him to be sin for us, who knew no sin, that we might be made the righteousness of God in him. I love this passage. Pastor Tony, I absolutely love this passage. I live by this passage. It, whenever I read it, most of the time... It, it comforts me, but to be honest with you, after years and years of being a Christian, for some of us, two, three months, you remember that time when everything changed and you thought, wow, I'm an old, all my old things are passed away. Behold, all things are become as new. And then you find out you still have the ability to sin. That's disappointing. Paul, what do you, what? Okay. Therefore, if any man, that's us, right? Any man, are you an any man? Okay, I am. Any man be in Christ. I'm saved. I have Christ living inside of me. I'm a new creature. Old things are passed away. Behold, how many things? All things are become new. All things? All things, Paul? Because I don't feel that way. Sometimes I feel, God, did you, did you forget to forward my address? Like, I, I feel like I'm not getting the mail I'm supposed to get right now. Is this some type of mess up? What, it, what is going on here, Paul? I still get tempted. I still go through, the, through life and I become weary. 
We prayed before uh, we came out in the group saying, and Pastor Tony prayed for us, and when he prayed, he said, God, I know that there are people in this crowd that are weary. They're trying to make it through the Christian life, and they're, and they're struggling. God, let us be a help to those that are weary and struggling. We could all raise our hand and say, we've been that way before we were saved and after we were saved. We've struggled. We've been weary. We've been tired. And I get a little frustrated at Paul, and I say, can you be a little more practical, Paul? Can you please help me out here? Because I don't understand what you mean that old things are passed away and all things are become as new. You see, it all starts with a phrase, in Christ. In verse number 17, he says, therefore, if any man be what? In Christ. Paul uses that phrase 73 times in his epistles. 73 times he says the phrase, in Christ. I would, I would imagine that if it's the phrase just used by Paul 73 times in the New Testament, that, that must be, there must be some importance to that phrase, in Christ. If we were to talk about Christ, we know that God cannot wink at sin and, 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 and God, uh, God and sin cannot coexist. Justice must be served and we are aired through and through. But through Christ, we take on his righteousness. Verse number 21, for he hath made him to be sin for us who knew no sin, that we might be made the righteousness of God in him. We become a new creature according to verse number 17 and verse number 21. We have taken on the righteousness of Christ. You see, there's two ways to live your Christian life. I have two points, and then I'm done. It's simple, but it's very hard to live. It's hard to, not to wrap our mind around it, but to every day live in this manner. Ever since we're born, we're taught that the more you practice, the better you, be, you, the better you do, the higher you get. Just look at anything. Look at baseball. Guys start out from a very little age. I, I got my daughter Jocelyn in T-ball, okay? She is not going to go to the major leagues next year. That would be nice, but it's not going to happen, okay? She has to practice to get better. The better she gets, the, 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 then she could be a starter someday, and then maybe get a scholarship someday, and then play for the Boston Red Sox uh, second base. That would be, oh, man, that would be God's will, I, th- I think, I believe, and uh, no, the more you practice, I was told when I was in school, the more you practice at algebra, the better you'll be. That didn't work for me. But, but uh, no, I, you, the more you practice, the better you are the, the, at, at your job. The better you do at your job, the higher you get. And that is a good thing. So don't get me wrong here. In the secular field, that works. And it even works in the spiritual realm. It does. But there's something that we get confused on. We think that our practice determines our position in Christ. That's why I get frustrated. When I read that, I go, okay, God, I, I try as hard as I can, but I still fail. I still fall. I don't feel like old things have passed away. I still have temptations. I still have hurts. I still have struggles. I still get weary. Why? And it's when I revert to this thing called practice, and I feel like the more that I do, in Jesus, or the more that I do trying to please God, that that will determine my title of Christian. But see, Jesus 
did something for us. He reconciled us. He switched places with us. Now, go be wrong. I'm going to, I'm going to postphasis this in just a second, but our, our practice does not determine our position. Our position determines our practice. You see, God gave us a position. Yeah, uh, not that you would ever watch something like American Idol or, or The Voice. We don't. We, uh, we, I see commercials every once in a while for it. And so I, and I asked, I did some research on Google, and I found out this is how the show goes. You ever seen, like, what they do? Like, kind of, they, it's a thing where they, they uh, you know, there's this, there's this person, it's a nobody. And they go in front of some judges, and they audition, right? And then if they do something that catches that, that judge's eye or their ear in a special way, they go, ooh, there's something different about them. There's something that I like about them. Let's move them on to the next round. And then they go, and then maybe they can make it all the way and become the winner. And then they become this famous person and ruin their life later. But uh, they become this famous singer. And it's kind of neat to see someone come from nothing and become somebody. But they have to audition to get there. Guys, our, our audition was at Calvary. The audition is already over. You've already got the part. You've already got the part of in Christ. You have Jesus Christ living inside of you. When you accepted him as your Savior, you have all power given to you inside of you. The Holy Spirit lives inside of you. You have 100% of God inside of you. You didn't have to audition for it. You didn't do anything for it. It was grace. It was given to you. Now, some people like to take that and go, okay, well, that means I can do whatever I want, right? Woohoo! No, 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 you're missing it. Your position in Christ, the fact that you got the part, determines what you do. It determines your practice. You still have to choose to do it. It's not like you just say, well, thank you, Lord, for... Um, for salvation, and so therefore I'm just going to sit right here and I'll be a Christian. It doesn't work that way, but because you have the position, you are able to do things through Christ. The mistake comes when we try to do things in our own power, and God says that is our righteousness. And remember what he says about our righteousness? They are as what? Filthy rags. When we're doing things it can be good. Uh, let's look at uh, Matthew chapter 6 real quickly. Matthew chapter 6 and verse number 1. I don't know if, you, if that's up on the screen. There you go. Matthew chapter 6 verse 1 says, Take heed that ye do not your alms, what, before men, to be seen of them. Otherwise ye have no reward of your Father which is in heaven. Therefore, when thou doest thine alms... Do not sound a trumpet before thee, as the hypocrites in the synagogues and in the streets. They have the glory of men. Verily, I say unto you, they have their reward. In a couple of pages, or probably just a page over in 2 Corinthians 9-7 from the original passage. It says, every man according as he purposeth in his heart. So let him give, not grudgingly or of necessity, for God loveth a cheerful giver. It matters to God what your motivation is. It matters to God what your motivation is. You can do, you can do a lot of right things and do not a lot of bad things. 
You can go through the list and say, I don't drink, I don't smoke, I don't chew, I don't run with girls that do, I don't, I don't, do, I don't do this, I don't do that, I do this, I go to church, I have perfect attendance, and be just as wicked and rotten on the inside. Thank you. All because you are doing it in your own power. You're thinking that your practice is going to determine how good you are. Look at me. Don't do your alms before men. It's not about you. It's about him. It never has been about us. It never will be about us. It's always and always will be about the glory of Jesus Christ. It's all about the glory of God. There is nothing good inside of me. I, if, you were to, if there was the screen to drop down today and it said the inner thoughts of Matt Thistle and the life of Matt Thistle, I would say, well, thank you very much. Brother Tony, you take on for here. I'll be, uh, you got to have fun with that. I don't, I, don't wanna, I don't want you to see who the real Matt Thistle is. The real Matt Thistle is a wicked person. He doesn't have good thoughts. He's not a good person. The only thing good inside of me is Christ. And therefore, the only good, the only glory that can come of my life is glory for God. We like to just take a tithe from that, though, don't we? Go all the glory to God. I had this many, or I did this, or we did that, or we did this. I mean, but I mean, glory to God. And it all becomes a focus on us. And that is why we get frustrated being a Christian. Because we go, God, I'm trying my hardest. He says, I know. That's filthy rags to me. You've already got the position. The audition is over. Now start living your life for my glory. For what I've taught you. What is your motivation this morning? What's your motivation for doing right? Are you giving your alms before men? Do you pray in the synagogues before men? Are you a cheerful giver? As the plate passes by, do you go, but I did it, God. You saw. You saw what I did, didn't you? I put no. It ought to be God. I could never repay you for what you've done. I can't believe that you would send your only son to die for me. I could never repay you. So this is not not to repay. This is not to achieve a position. Thank you for what you've done for me. This is gratitude, thankfulness. Thank you, God. Thank you. It's all about you. Glory to God. Who cares what our possessions are? Who cares how high we get up on the ladder? It's all going to go away. It's all going to burn someday. It's all about him. Are we furthering the kingdom of God? I get motivated by music. I also get motivated. I don't know if you guys remember this, but remember this week in baseball? Does anybody know? Yeah, I loved that show when I was a kid. I, it, it would have like this really like intense baseball music. And then they would just, it was just like a, a highlight after highlight of guys just jacking them out of the yard, you know, and like amazing diving catches. And I was like a nine-year-old kid and I was like watching, I'm like, wow, that's so awesome. And I was like, uh, and I wouldn't even make it to the end of the show. I would run outside and grab my wiffle ball bat and I'm like, you know, like trying to like hit home runs. And like I put myself in the movie you know, or in, or in that TV show, 
or I'd listen to, uh, you know, a song and it would get me pumped up for a basketball game. Like, all right, man, I'm good now. I'm, I'm motivated. I think we do that with our Christian life. We, we get away from church. We, we, we leave on Sunday and we, we're all pumped up. We're like, yes! Woo! I'm going to be a Christian. And then Monday, flat on our face. Teenagers, we go to camp, teen revolution. Man, that was awesome! I'm so close to God now. I feel like because of that conference, now I can be a Christian, a good Christian. On your face. A week later, right? People are like, I gave up this. I promised I was going to do this. I was going to read 10 chapters a day in my Bible, and I fell on my face. What happened? Oh, God, I can't. You're not practicing from the right position. You're trying to obtain it. You've already got it. Now say, God, thank you. The gratitude, the thankfulness is what carries you on for God. You can never, hold on, I'm going to say this wrong. I better look at it. There it is. Where you stand has the power to determine where you walk. But where you walk will never have the power to determine where you stand. Let me say that again. Where you stand has the power to determine where you walk. We stand in Christ. But where you walk will never have the power to determine where you stand. It did not work that way for salvation, did it? There was nothing that we could do to obtain the grace of God for salvation. It was, it was there for us. It's not of works, lest any man should boast. And it's the same way in your Christian life. It's not of your works. It's all of his works, lest any man should boast. Because the only boasting that needs to be done is the boasting of our Lord and Savior. 